This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Nancy Bradshaw, to discuss her transition from being a flight test engineer to an airline pilot, and also talk about her social media presence. But before we begin, we've got a few announcements. First of all, obviously, if you have questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can also uh, find the scholarships guide there and career coaching and various online courses. And if you're looking for the scholarships guide for free, don't forget to use the coupon code PAYITFORWARD, all one word. Uh, You know, through the generosity of many others, uh, you may receive the scholarships guide for free. And say you're one of those people that wants to make a difference, you can become a patron of our podcast here and everything else we do. You can click on the top right of the screen. It's really easy for just $1 a month. Uh, you can help somebody move forward in their career and possibly pay for all their flight training. For every $10 we receive uh, from our patrons, we give away one scholarships guide. And that scholarships guide is good for a year, and it allows them to get updates once every month. This month we have uh, 79 new scholarships, and we have four updates. And there is that new category, Scholarships for Adults. Uh, and one thing I want to mention about that is that on the Scholarships for Adults, somebody had mentioned that uh, there wasn't a place to click on that. It is in the catalog. Uh, what we need to do is put that in there. So thanks for that update from one of our listeners. I really appreciate that. So it is in there. It's specifically scholarships that are for everybody, but uh, aimed more towards adults. And I know that's been a a big uh, request for folks uh, on the podcast. Uh, also, don't forget our latest video, Should I Get My Instrument Rating in a Technically Advanced Airplane? That's out there on YouTube. Don't forget to go check out our YouTube channel. We started putting videos back on there. I know it's been many years, uh, but we've been really excited about putting stuff out there. As a matter of fact, mentioning YouTube, there is somebody that I have with me today who is a prolific YouTuber and has some great information, kind of uh, we're peas in a pod here, and that is Nancy Bradshaw. Nancy, hey, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Carl. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Uh, You know, before we started, I I asked you, I said, so, um, how's flying going? And uh, we're both airline pilots, and I guess, uh, go ahead and you can repeat the answer you gave me to that. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, the flying is pretty minimal at the moment. I fly uh, around 40, maybe 45 hours a month right now. Um, But of course, I am very thankful that I am still flying and that I'm not furloughed. Um, I'm very happy that there's still a job for us to do. And I feel like some some of the flights that we're doing are essential. Um, But yeah, I, I used to fly when I was a flight instructor almost 40 hours a week at the very height of my flight instructor um, career, if you will to really build those hours. So that's a really, really stark contrast from what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it sure is. And 40 hours, by the way, that's that's better than most. That's incredible uh, to, to be flying that much. Yeah, we were super, super busy at that point. I was flying for a flight school, but also flying for a few private owners as well. So I could augment the flying that I would get from the um, flight school. And um, I did as much as I could Uh, being, you know, trying to still be safe with it as much as I could be uh, flying and still be awake for everything. But that meant that I was flying seven days a week. So there was, there was basically no, uh, 
there, <laughs> there was no breaks in there. But if you do something that you love, it's not that big of a deal, I think. Yeah, that is, that's why we're having you here, Nancy. You obviously love what you're doing. And you have this incredible passion for aviation. But, you know, what's interesting is that you are somebody that started out in a different sector in aviation. You actually started out as a flight test engineer. Now, we it's been maybe about a year, two years since we've had a flight test engineer on. So, first of all, what is a flight test engineer and how did you get involved with that? So, um I basically wanted to start flying way back when, and I was hoping to be um, a pilot in the Air Force. That's basically what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, that wasn't going to happen. Back then, I lived in the Netherlands, and I did some tests that you need to do, and I didn't get through those. And then I was like, well, I need to do something. I need to study something. And then my dad, who is awesome, said, well, if you can't fly the fighter jets, maybe you can design the fighter jets or at least be involved with it. And that's how I uh, went to study aerospace engineering. And then fast forward a few years, I had my master's in aerospace um, engineering. I did specifically look at the study of aerodynamics. And then I started working for the Air Force, where I was looking at the aerodynamic loads on the aircraft. And now what a flight test engineer does, or an engineer like myself, a discipline engineer in aerodynamic loads, is looking at what the aircraft can actually do versus what they say that it can do. So before an aircraft goes into actual um, flying, when it just comes out of production for the first time, they have to test if it can do what the engineers had intended for it to do. Because what it does in a, in a wind tunnel doesn't necessarily comply with what it's going to do in real life. And that's why there are flight test engineers. So we basically look for every single discipline. So you're looking at aerodynamic loads, you're looking at propulsion, you're looking at human factors and so forth. All these disciplines have their own engineers. And then you look at, is it doing what you want it to do? And that's basically what I did. I looked at uh, the F-16 and the F-35 with respect to aerodynamic loads is the aircraft um, basically producing the loads that the manufacturers said it would do. And then flight testing doesn't only happen when the aircraft just comes out of development, like I did for the F-35, because when I was working for the F-16, I was working on an aircraft that had many, many years of flying already. But since they put new stores on there or they put a new aircraft configuration on there, you still have to see, again, is it performing as it was intended to perform? So that's um, that's basically what I was doing. Fascinating work. I mean, it must be challenging, and I'm sure there's people that absolutely love doing that. And uh, so I'm curious, before we move on to the pilot thing, are, do you have friends that still work as flight test engineers? Uh, actually, my very good friend, my husband, <laughs> <also>. <laughs> who I met at work, um, he's still a flight test engineer, and he works on helicopters now, but we both worked on F-35 before. And um, yeah, it's it's. I loved my job when I did it, and I actually still miss it. And especially now with everything happening, I see my husband works at home now. And then, you know, I hear him with his um, with his meetings and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that was that was so fun when I did it as well. Um, it, it's it's just very what, for example, when I worked with F-35, I started in the very, very beginning when it just came out of the plant and I worked on it for six and a half, almost seven years, I think. Um, 
And the aircraft as a platform went through so many iterations and got so much better over time. And if you've been on the platform for, for that long, you, you play a significant role in it and it getting better. And that is just really awesome to see. Um, so yes, I do miss it when I see other people still doing it. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people that do change jobs, they, they wind up missing what they were doing. That's for sure. And, and that, that happened to you obviously. And, yeah. um, but you know, even with that, there's still this path that you took that you're really enjoying. But we, I, I think that's true in, in our phases in life in general. Because, you know, we, how we miss our grammar school. We miss things in life. But uh, so when people are changing careers, uh, as far as looking backwards, I'm sure everybody's going to have that. Because you get that question a lot. It's like, hey, you know, what what's going to happen when I change careers? Can I ever go back to that? And, you know, you never lose those friends. Uh, and I'm sure, obviously, for you, it's a little bit easier because your husband's involved with it. Yeah. Uh, to actually have discussions about that, and uh, it's a nice opportunity to possibly go back to it if you had to, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, it's it's also something that I really advocate for people that want to fly in general, not necessarily doing it specifically as a second career, but having a plan B. And just because this is my second career, I do have a really decent plan B of going back to engineering. And I wouldn't even mind that. Sometimes sometimes I find myself thinking about, you know what, maybe if I would go back to engineering and then flying for fun on the side, you know, that could be an option as well. Um, but honestly, I love flying a little, just, just a tiny little bit more than I do the engineering part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that because I honestly, um, you know, to be very transparent, the last month I haven't flown much and I was about to go on a trip and I got sick and I hardly ever get sick and I was so upset. And then I realized that I do miss flying because I vote, you know, you hear me on the podcast say, you know, this flying job doesn't define me, but I love it. And if I ever had to get step away from it, I could. I would just continue doing what I'm doing with the coaching and all that. But I, I you know what? I really, really would miss it. And I'm finding that because I also have an airplane. And now my airplane's broke and I can't fly at the airlines as much as I want to. So we do find that, yeah, we, we do miss those things. But you have to kind of redefine yourself and say, what's the most important thing in your life? And kind of move forward from that. Um, but I, as you said, you know, it, it really is something that you do miss. Uh, you're lucky, yeah. though, that you get to fly a lot. I do, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. But on your point of, of how um, people really identify with their jobs, especially as pilots, I feel like we are, you know, being a pilot is such a big part of your identity sometimes. I feel like it's very important to diversify your identity as well. Like you're not only a pilot. You also maybe play the guitar or you might also enjoy doing something else. You know what I mean? In order to, in times like this, to not kind of completely lose track of what your identity is, even though aviation as, as well, it's for you, for me, a really big part of my life, you know, if it happens to fall away, there would still be a, a, a way of finding a good path and having a type of identity that would still love aviation but not have it as that big part of your life if that makes sense oh yeah it makes a lot of sense and and looking at that look at like myself my big thing you said you know playing guitar i'm big into lighthouses so yeah. i would i would just 
be doing that all day, you know, looking at lighthouses. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's funny you said that because I found with myself, I actually am looking at my Facebook pages that I follow about lighthouses a lot more than I did since uh, now that we're kind of sequestered here or we're actually, uh, you know, doing the social distancing thing. So I get to watch them mm-hmm. online. <laughs> <laughs> so with your, you know, you said you liked flying and you love flying, you love aviation, but you took this path to the cockpit and uh, it was a bit of a challenge, I'm sure, for you. So how were you able to take this career and move forward and how did you do it with having this other career? Did you make that jump immediately into being a pilot? So take us through that path. Well, for me, it was a very lengthy path. I'm a, also a runner, and I like running marathons. And it's I like to compare the two a lot, my aviation path and marathon running, because it took me basically my entire engineering career to become a pilot. It took me 10 years from my first flight um, to uh, my first training flight in order to get to the regional airlines where I'm at now. Um, it took that long because I decided that I wanted to do it next to my job, and my job at times was very demanding, so I just simply didn't have time. Um, but And I also didn't want to incur any more debt for the flight training because going through my master's, I already had quite a bit of student debt going on for myself, which I wasn't very happy with. So I was working on paying that off as well as trying to go through flight training. And at times that just cost too much money. So I had to start and stop and start and stop. Um, So that happened for quite a while. Actually, my first flight was in uh, 2009 that I did my very first flight in the Cessna 172. And um, it took a while to get all of that done. But what I did like about doing it in a longer period of time is that I took my time with it and had a lot of fun with it. So by taking a lot of time, I didn't have all that pressure of, I have to go through this flight training. I have to go get my instrument rating right away. I have to get my commercial rating within a year. I took my time and that way it stayed fun the entire time. And I always had in the back of my mind that, yes, I would like to fly for a living. I would like to be a professional pilot, but if I can't, and I can still do it for fun next to my engineering since I loved my job enough, then it would be fine as well. So that's kind of why it took me that long. But what the really the big turning point was for me was in 2015, I decided to go on a um, air race from the 99s. It's a women in aviation group. And they um, have this air race throughout the whole country. And I I did the air race, and in order to get to the start line, I had to fly from California to Virginia, a cross-country flight in the, like, legitimately coast-to-coast in my um, Cessna 172, not mine, but the one that I was using. And I did that by myself. And I did the air race through another nine states, I believe, and then from Alabama flew back to California in the 172 with then my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, When I came back from that flight, I had proven to myself that my commercial rating that I had, and I had my instrument commercial at that point, airplane single engine land, I had proven to myself that I I can really do this. I I can make that happen. I can fly a plane by myself. I don't need a crutch. I can go anywhere I want. 
I can really do this. And at that point, that's when I made the decision. Now I will really change my career. And from that point, I still took a good year to save up enough money that I had enough money to not work for two years because I didn't know if I would be able to get my instructor license suit fast enough in order to have students and actually make money because if I would quit my job, the pilot job needed to provide for myself. And uh, my husband at that point was still my boyfriend, so it was a little bit of a different situation than it is now. Um, so I made sure that I did all my research and making sure that I have enough money to make that jump to have a two-year buffer between getting my instructor rating and getting a job with a salary because I knew that being an instructor wouldn't get me a salary and maybe not get me benefits and stuff like that. So that's basically um, the planning that I had to do before I decided to actually jump in, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. As a matter of fact, as, as I'm listening, I'm like, you know, you, you keep talking about how much fun it was having it expanded over time. Do you find that in the environment you're in now, I'm sure you meet people that went through the accelerated type programs as opposed to taking 10 years. And by the way, I was another one that took 10 years. Uh, I went from 89, I started flight instructing in 99, and I absolutely fell in love with aviation during that period. Do you feel that there's a difference uh, in, say, your experience or your passion for aviation because of the fact you took so long? Absolutely. I see I see it a lot. Uh, a good friend of mine, she, uh, she did the accelerated flight training, and at some point she did basically burn out on it. She had less fun with flying as much as I always had the fun. And she was telling me about these feelings of burnout and for me, that sounded like something I had never experienced before, but it was because you go from the one, and she did also one part 141 flight school with all the check, what's it called, the check marks in the middle. So you do like kind of like a stage check after stage check and then check right and then stage check. You're always studying and all your flights are dedicated to your studying. They're not dedicated to fun. You don't, you know, you don't go for the what they they call it the hundred dollar hamburger because you can <laughs> and these were the things that i did like i had to go cross country but nobody nowhere in my syllabus said i have to go on a cross country to go i don't know fly fly over lax because i can right or the vfr corridor there when i was flying in um in california i did a lot of fun flying just because i can and not for for the fact of going from a to b because of what my syllabus says. And um, I think that sometimes if you, if it's that much of a performance thing, you kind of maybe lose the sight out of the fact that you're actually having fun with it. And that same friend that I'm talking about, she's now a flight instructor. And I just um, talked to her, I think a week ago, and I asked her if she wanted to come fly with me because I miss flying. And she's like, oh, please, yes, that would be fantastic because I miss flying for fun. And that bit that really kind of hit the nail on the head there when she said that. Wow, what an incredible statement. I, I miss flying for fun. So you need to take a step back for those that are in that whole environment and just kind of get out there and enjoy it a little bit. You have to do it every so often, even when you're instructing. And, you know, I used to do that. I was very fortunate where I was. But uh, sometimes you're involved in these academies and, and there isn't much time to go fly for fun. Sometimes you have to do it on your day off, though. 
And uh, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when I say that I was flight instructing 40 hours a week, I think a good portion of those hours was just flying for fun. And I think I was very fortunate in the fact that I flew for a few private owners and most of them just wanted to to go somewhere for the sake of going somewhere just as much as I did when I was going through my flight training. That was very lucky. So that's also how I could keep up that high amount of flying because, you know, a good portion of it was just because it was fun because we could. So you're still having fun? I am still having a lot of fun with it. Um, the flying the jet is a huge challenge because right before I had this job as a regional airline pilot, I was actually flying mosquito control in, uh, here in, in Florida. Um, yeah, my aviation path has been a, a weird one because in the meantime, not only getting my fixed wing commercial rating, I also got my rotorcraft commercial rating. And, uh, I actually was flying a Huey helicopter before this job. So once I got into the jet, the speeds were just staggering to me. So every single landing that I did, I felt like it was this huge accomplishment. So it just, it baffled my brain every single time. I was like, whoa, this goes so fast. So it's, and since we haven't been flying that much now, I still kind of have that feeling every time I land. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. It is. It's a challenge. That's for sure. I mean, I, yeah. I and like you said, stepping away from it, you're like, oh my gosh, we're coming in pretty fast here. <laughs> you know, it's a little different than the 172. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it still. And uh, I, I hope I will always have fun with it. I'm kind of the person that if I don't have fun with it, I just don't do it, which sounds really strange, but it kind of, if I don't have fun with something, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think you and I very much agree on that one. And, uh, you know, it's interesting what you said as far as the flying going fast, but I personally, and I know people have heard me say this a million times on the podcast, I actually miss flying for the regionals. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, at the regionals, you get to see places and do things that many folks at the majors don't get to do. Do you have an example of say somewhere you get to go on an overnight or some type of flying that you, you see that your major friends don't get to do? Well, what I definitely see is that we still land at uncontrolled airports sometimes and we get to fly just the VFR pattern. You're still on your downwind to your base and you turn final and there's nobody else there and you're doing the calls just like you would when you're flight training. And that's definitely something I don't see my major friends doing at all anymore, um, which I really like. And then uh, specifically flying the ERJ-145, we don't have auto throttles, so we're quote unquote real pilots still <laughs> when we do our when we do our VFR flying. Of course, we back everything up with an ILS, but it it still it still feels like kind of the the small aircraft flying, if you will, but in a bigger jet. And I think that's super fun. Yeah, I like the fact it has the pulleys still. I mean, you know, the elevator's still manual, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, you really you really do feel like you're flying. It's not fly-by-wire, right? Like, it just right, right. feels like a plane. <laughs> and it's got its challenges. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But every, you know, every jet you fly is like that. Everything, every airplane you fly, to fly it well is always a challenge. And that's kind of what you're trying to do um, when you're moving forward in, in your career. Um, before we move on to you know what's what's next as far as your career is concerned, you mentioned something about uh, this race that you did with the 99s. That wouldn't happen to be the Air Race Classic, was it? Absolutely. Yep. 
2015, I did that one. Wow. You know, if you don't mind, I'd like to, a little plug here. Air Race Classic, by the way, it's awesome. Uh, we've had people yes. on our other show. It's Stuck My Gavcast with the Air Race Classic. 2020, it's coming up uh, pretty soon. I hope it's still going to take place. I'm not sure. I'd have to look on the website. Uh, starts off in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and then ends in Terre Haute in Indiana. And one of the things that I do uh, would like people to think about is the 2021 race because I'm actually going to be very involved with the 2021 race because it's going to be right in our backyard here. And I'm helping out. With Are you really? Together. Yeah. I'm not, obviously I'm not the one hosting it, but there's a, uh, uh, Joanne Alcorn is going to be the person that's putting that together. And I cannot wait. I'm just helping out. I'm just a volunteer. That's all I do. Uh, and I'm very, very excited. So hopefully maybe we'll get you to come by, uh, during the air race and maybe well, get involved. If- if everything goes well, I'm hoping to race in 2021 again. So. Oh, cool. So, so we'll get to we'll get to meet up there. That's for sure. That would uh, be so cool. <laughs> it's, it's such a neat organization, and if you're interested, just check it out there. AirRaceClassic.org. We'll have a, a link in the show notes, by the way. Just as an aside, you mentioned that, and I think that that is a that's a tough race. I think um, it is, and I would recommend it to anybody who wants to do it. That was. For me personally, that was the turning point in my basic, my aviation life, if you will. That was absolutely the point that I said, you know what? I got this. I can do this. Yeah. It, it proved to me that I could do it for a living, that I was good enough, I guess. Because, you know, when you go through flight training, and I had uh, was very fortunate to have a lot of friends with airplanes, you always seem to have a crutch. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody next to you that also flies that you know, sure. that maybe knows the ropes a little bit better than you do. But when I did the air race, first of all, I had to fly it less to get to the air race and to get back to California. I did that by myself. But the race itself was really this camaraderie amongst peers. And I learned so much there about cross-country flying and how to be efficient and how to because you want to win, right? Like everybody that sure. goes into some type of race is slightly competitive. And um, yeah, I just learned so much during that race. That is, yeah, I can, I can really recommend it to anybody that's thinking about doing it. It's uh, it was phenomenal. I had a lot of fun. And just to put this in context, this is not a race over just a, a couple hours. This took you how many days? Uh, I can't remember. It was, uh, I think it's about three or so. Is that about right? Three. It took us three days. Yeah. To go through, uh, all the States three, I think. Yeah. That's, it's incredible. I mean, it's a long yeah. race. <laughs> it is. And it's not, it's not, not necessarily how fast like a race as in a normal car race. If you, if you think about it that way, you do a qualification flight first and that's your baseline and you basically race against yourself so the fastest you can go as your airplane and what you could do and that's uh, that makes it a little a little more interesting so it's basically about how well you can plan across country not how fast your aircraft is if that makes sense yeah, that does. That's awesome. That's and that is really. I just love the fact that that kind of springboarded you into the whole aviation career. So very, ex- I'm, I'm excited that that happened for you. That's for sure. But now here you're at a regional, and um, as far as your career, what do you think's next as far as the career is concerned? Well, I'm kind of at a crossroads now. I'm thinking either on the one hand I'm gonna go full on fixed wing and just you know shoot for the stars and find the biggest 
biggest wide body airplane I can fly <laughs> at some point in life when I get there. Um, or I'm still kind of thinking about the rotorcraft, um, the rotorcraft part of it all, because I still really enjoy flying helicopters, even though I don't do it that often anymore. Um, and with the fixed wing thing now, not going, I'm not flying that often. I feel like now I have the chance to do my, uh, ATP add on for rotorcraft and then get my CFI and CFII for rotorcraft as well. And then go from there and see what I can do with that. But if I do go into the rotorcraft stuff more, then I, I mean, I have to make a choice at some point, right? Like, am, am I, am I going to go then try and do something professionally with helicopters and fly fixed wing for fun or do it the other way around? Because I'm so much farther ahead with the fixed wing part of it and then try to fly helicopters for fun, which would be a challenge because I don't know that many people that own helicopters for fun. So... <laughs> But flying a helicopter for fun, and if you do get your uh, instructor rating, I definitely want to jump in there. I'd love to finish my my rotorcraft. And uh, but what you know, what a neat way to be, though. I mean, that's one thing. One of the reasons I really wanted to have you on here is that your path is so varied, but it's driven by your passion, which is important in life. But you also, and and the part about this, and and I've heard it many times as you've been speaking, is that you have a plan and you, and you're doing it responsibly and you're figuring out how do I get to do my next thing for fun and also make money at it. And I, and hats off to you for doing that. That's for sure. I mean, most, most of us don't realize we can do that, but you've shown you can. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, and, and it's something that, uh, with the YouTube channel that I have, I try to portray to people as well. Lots of people are saying, well, I can't do this because I don't have the money, for example. So at this point in time, I don't have the money to do my ATP add-on rotorcraft either, but I'm saving up money and I have been for months now. So this is not something I can do right now, but in six months from now, I can. And that's just something I, I plan for. And that's how I've been going through all of my flight training. Just plan very diligently, very diligently save up the money until I have enough money to do so. Or sometimes something feels like it's unobtainium but you can obtain something if you have a way to one think outside the box and to be able to be consistent with whatever plan you come up with i think those are the two most important things be creative and be consistent and then however long that takes i feel like you can still achieve what you want to achieve and that's kind of that's kind of how i've approached my entire piloting career because when it comes down to it, I've always wanted to be a pilot since I can remember. It just took me a long time, but I got there and I, I don't regret any of any of it. Don't regret that it took that long. I don't regret that it's still taking a long time. I'm just enjoying it. And you're a great example of perseverance, that's for sure. So speaking of, you just mentioned YouTube, one of the things I, I really want to talk about too and, and close out with is the, the YouTube channel, which I think is really cool and very inspirational. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing on YouTube now. Well, my, my YouTube channel is uh, Nancy Bradshaw, CFI and airline pilot. It used to be commercial pilot, but then I got my ATP, so now I'm an <laughs> airline pilot. I've changed the name, which was fun. Um, and uh, my tagline is very similar to yours, actually, aviation, information, motivation, and inspiration. 
And uh, basically, my goal is the same as what you're doing, but through video more than through the um, than through podcast. I really have two main streams of content. My first stream being just giving information in a format just like this, talking about flight training, um, talking about the regulations, talking about what people can expect for flight training, and trying to get some motivation and inspiration out there too by, for example, talking about how you can plan your flight training next to a full-time job, how you could um, still become an airline pilot at 37 years old, because that's what I did. It was I was 37 when I got my ATP. Um, so that's the, that's the one stream. And then the second stream of content is basically walk the talk, right? So I have my vlog in which I try to show people what it's like to be a first officer for a regional airline. Unfortunately, I can't show any cockpit footage, but I just uh, vlog my day-to-day, what's happening on the overnights, and talk about what I did that day, how much I flew. And uh, unfortunately, lately, it's it's been more about the pandemic than anything else. Hopefully, that's going to change real soon, um, that I can talk a little bit more about flying instead of empty airplanes. Um, but that's uh, that's what I try to to show on my YouTube channel, and especially my my intent with the YouTube channel is especially for for those people that want to change their careers that to show that it's still possible. Because I hear so many times people say, even people in their twenties, oh, I'm 27 years old, am I too old to become a pilot? And then I'm like, no, no, you're not too old. And that's what I really want to convey with my YouTube channel. And then just, you know, I want to inspire anybody that wants to fly, but I think my main motivation is for people like myself that may take a little bit longer and to, to let them know that, you know, it's not, that's not a problem. You can still achieve your dreams. And well said, and I really highly recommend people going out there to take a look at that. Actually, the easiest way to find it, there's some links off of uh, your website, Fly Good Aviation. Check that out. And obviously on YouTube, Nancy Bradshaw, CFI, commercial pilot, is a really easy way to find that. It's uh, it's wonderful what you're doing and, the, and what you're putting out there. And like I said, we're, we're very similar in, in what we are trying to do here is try and promote aviation. And, you know, one of the, one of the most popular downloads we get actually is, am I too old to fly? on the podcast. And I, I love that you've hit the nail on the head with that. And you're a good example of somebody. Uh, you're walking the walk and you're talking the talk. And I think that's awesome. Uh, so if you have, if anybody here has questions, obviously feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We'll send them along to Nancy. But also, how can they find you if they have a question, uh, anything they've heard on here? Is that the best place to find you on Fly Good Aviation? Absolutely. Just go to flygoodaviation.com. I have a contact page right there and uh, you can type in your question and it goes right to my email. Other than that, you can also fly me or fly me, <laughs> See, find me at, um, uh, on Instagram. If you want to send me a direct message there and I am uh, Nancy loves to aviate. Nancy B shall loves to aviate on there. But if you just, I think basically the website is the easiest way to find me. Awesome. We'll have that in the show notes. Most definitely check that out. And you know, Nancy, it's been awesome having you on. I think the two of us are are very much similar in that we're really trying to help people move forward in their careers and try to get over obstacles. And I'd love to have you back on again. And I think you've really inspired quite a few people here. 
Thank you so much for having me, Carl. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> I haven't done podcasts before, so this was this was a treat. Yeah, and and it was a treat having you on. And and who knows, maybe we'll, we'll do something together, or maybe during Sun and Fun or something like that. I can't wait to actually meet you in per- person. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> so again, Fly Good Aviation, best way to find uh, Nancy out there. And once again, Nancy, thanks so much for helping the folks here learn about your career and how to move forward in their careers. No problem, and thank you. Well, folks, one of the things I think is really important is to do something, and it could be just something small, small step, a large leap, whatever it may be, but the the best thing you can do is take a step forward. I know in these trying times that's hard to do, but there's ways to do that, and the Internet has really changed things. One of the best ways to do that is start looking at YouTube, at internet websites, at at podcasts, listen to podcasts. And I highly recommend you check out flygoodaviation.com. There's links from there to the YouTube channel, the Instagram account, and you will find a lot of information. And and here's another person's story that will inspire you to move forward in your career. But I want you to do something. When you turn off this podcast, when you stop the car, if you're working out, if you're, you know, trying to, you know, tell the kids to go away because I know you're stuck in a house right now. I want you to do something today to move forward in your career. It's probably right now going to be getting on a computer or making a phone call or reaching out in that manner. But make sure you keep moving forward and take that one step today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.